Chapter 55 Excellence of Leading an Aesthetic Life and Virtues of a Simple Life Allah the Exalted says in the Quran إِنَّمَا مَثَلُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا كَمَا إِنْ أَنْزَلْنَاهُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَاخْتَلَطَ بِهِ نَبَاتُ الْأَرْضِ مِمَّا يَأْكُلُ النَّاسُ وَالْأَنْعَامِ مما يأكل الناس والأنعام حتى إذا أخذت الأرض زخرفها وزينت وظن أهلها وظن أهلها أنهم قادرون عليها أتاها أمرنا ليلا أو نهارا أتاها أمرنا ليلا أو نهارا فجعلناها حصيدا كأن لم تغن بالأمس كذلك نفصل الآيات لقوم يتفكرون Verily, the likeness of this worldly life is as the water which we send down from the sky. So by it arises the intermingled produce of the earth of which men and cattle eat, until when the earth is clad in its adornments and is beautified, and its people think that they have all the powers of disposal over it. Our command reaches it by night or by day, and we make it as a clean-mown harvest as if it had not flourished yesterday. Thus do we explain the proofs and evidences in detail for the people who reflect. And Allah also says, واضرب لهم مثل الحياة الدنيا كما إن أنزلناه من السماء فاختلط به نبات الأرض فأصبح هشيما تذروه الرياح وكان الله على كل شيء مقتدرا and put forward to them the example of the life of this world. It is like the water which we send down from the sky, and the vegetation of the earth mingles with it, and becomes fresh and green. But later, it becomes dry and broken pieces which the winds scatter. And Allah is able to do everything. المال والبنون زينة الحياة الدنيا والباقيات الصالحات خير عند ربك ثوابا وخير أملا Wealth and children are the adornment of the life of this world but the good righteous deeds that last are better with you O Lord for rewards and better in respect of hope and Allah also says, اعلموا أنما الحياة الدنيا لعب وله وزينة وتفاخر بينكم وتكاثر في الأموال والأولاد كمثل غيث أعجب الكفار نباته ثم يهيج فتراه مصفرا ثم يكون حطاما وفي الآخرة عذاب شديد ومغفرة من الله ورضوان وما الحياة الدنيا إلا متاع الغرور. Know that the life of this world is only play and amusement, pomp and mutual boasting among you, and rivalry in respect of wealth and children. It is as the likeness of vegetation after rain, thereof the growth is pleasing to the tiller. Afterwards it dries up and you see it turning yellow, then it becomes straw. But in the hereafter, there is a severe torment for the disbelievers and evildoers, 
and there is forgiveness from Allah and His good pleasure for the believers and good doers. And the life of this world is only a deceiving enjoyment. And Allah also says, زُيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ حُبُّ الشَّهَوَاتِ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ وَالْبَنِينَ وَالْقَنَاطِيرِ الْمُقَنْطَرَةِ مِنَ الذَّهَبِ وَالْفِضَّةِ وَالْخَيْلِ الْمُسَوَّمَةِ وَالْأَنْعَامِ وَالْحَرْثِ ذَلِكَ مَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا Beautified for men is the love of things they covet. Women, children, much of gold and silver, branded beautiful horses, cattle and well-tilled land. This is the pleasure of the present world's life, but Allah has the excellent return with him. And Allah also says, يا أيها الناس إن وعد الله حق فلا تغرنكم الحياة الدنيا ولا يغرنكم بالله الغرور. O mankind, verily the promise of Allah is true. So let not this present life deceive you. And let not the chief deceiver deceive you about Allah. And Allah also says, The mutual rivalry for piling up of worldly things diverts you. Until you visit the graves. Nay, you shall come to know. ثُمَّ كَلَّا سَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ Again, nay, you shall come to know. كَلَّا لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ عِلْمَ الْيَقِينَ Nay, if you knew with a sure knowledge the end result of piling up. And Allah also says, وَمَا هَذِهِ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَهُ وَلَعِبٍ وَإِنَّ الدَّارَ الْآخِرَةَ لَهِيَ الْحَيَوَانِ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ And this life of the world is only an amusement and a play. Verily, the home of the hereafter that is the life indeed, if they but knew. 457. Amr ibn Auf al-Ansari, radiyallahu anhu, reported, Allah's Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, sent Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah, radiyallahu anhu, to Bahrain to collect jizya. So he returned from Bahrain with the wealth. The Ansar got news of it, and joined with the Prophet ﷺ in the Fajr prayer. When the Prophet ﷺ concluded the prayer, they stood in his way. When he saw them, he smiled and said, I think you have heard about the arrival of Abu Ubaidah with something from Bahrain. They said, Yes, O Allah's Messenger. He ﷺ said, Rejoice and hope for that which will please you. By Allah, it is not poverty that I fear for you, but I fear that this world will be opened up with its wealth for you as it was opened to those before you, and you vie with one another over it as they did, and eventually it will ruin you as it ruined them. Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary we learn from this hadith that, from the religious angle, poverty of an individual or nation is not as dangerous as its affluence. For this reason, the Prophet ﷺ cautioned his ummah against the consequences of abundance of wealth and warned his followers to save themselves from its evils. 
We witness today that all his fears have come true. The excess of wealth has made the majority of rich extremely careless about their religious obligations. It is this negligence and evasion from religion about which the Prophet ﷺ had expressed grave fear. 458. Abu Sa'id al Khudri reported Allah's Messenger ﷺ sat on the pulpit and we sat around him. He said, What I am concerned most is the flourishment and the beauty of this world will be available to you. Collected by Al Bukhari and Muslim. 459. Abu Sa'id al Khudri reported The Messenger of Allah said, The world is sweet and green, and verily, Allah is making you to succeed each other, generations after generations, in it, in order to see how you act. So beware of this world and beware of women. Collected by Muslim. Commentary. This hadith has already been mentioned under chapter 6, Piety. The stress that it lays on guarding against the evil of women shows how grave a mischief woman is for man. The warning it contains is intended to alert men against the cunning and deceit of women and induces them to take preventative measures prescribed by the Sharia in this behalf. Those who disregard the injunctions of Sharia in this respect generally become victims of the seduction, wiles and guiles of women. May Allah save us from their amorous ways. 460. Anas reported, The Prophet said, O Allah, there is no true life but the life of the hereafter. Collected by Al Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary The saying of the Prophet quoted in this hadith relates to two different occasions. Firstly, to the Ghazwa of Al-Khandaq, meaning the Battle of the Trench, when Muslims were engaged in digging the trench under very difficult circumstances. It was intended to impress upon them the need for patience and to boost their morale. They were made to understand that they should not be perplexed by the strenuous period they were passing through because these were transitory and temporary phases of life after which lay the everlasting life the real life that was not only permanent but also full of perpetual luxuries. Secondly, to the occasion of Hajatul Wada'ah, meaning the last Hajj performed by the Prophet ﷺ, when he saw around him a large crowd of Muslims. Then he warned them against becoming proud or overjoyed by their strength and power. The grandeur and majesty being witnessed by them would come to an end. The real life was al-akhirah, meaning the hereafter, and they should do their utmost to reform for it. 461. Anas who reported, the Messenger of Allah said, Three things follow a dead person, members of his family, his property, and his deeds. Two of them return, and one remains with him. The people and his wealth return. His deeds remain with him. Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary. This hadith has a warning for the Muslims that they should adopt the way of piety and fear of Allah, not of sin and impiety, because those are actions which will go with him to the grave and which decide his fate in the life after death. If he carries with him good deeds, he will have a comfortable sojourn in barzakh, meaning the intervening stage between death and resurrection. On the contrary, if the record of his life is devoid of good deeds, all the wealth that he leaves behind, even if it is beyond calculation, 
will be of no avail to him because what he will be having with him will be the bad deeds which he performed during his life. These bad deeds will be a constant source of torture for him during his stay in Barzakh. 462 Anas ibn Malik anhu reported The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said Among the inmates of hell a person who had led the most luxurious life in this world will be brought up on the day of resurrection and dipped in the fire and will be asked O son of Adam did you ever experience any comfort? Did you happen to get any luxury? He will reply, By Allah, no, my Lord. And then, one of the people of Jannah, who had experienced extreme misery in the life of this world, will be dipped in Jannah. Then, he will be asked, O son of Adam, did you experience any misery? Did you ever encounter difficulty? He will say, By Allah, no, my Lord, I neither experienced misery nor passed through hardship. Collected by Muslim. Commentary. This hadith also induces one to work for the life of the hereafter. As the amenities of this world which one strives hard to attain and for which one violates the injunctions of Sharia will be forgotten with a glimpse of the hellfire. Therefore, the sensible course is that one should adopt a way of life which is full of true faith and good deeds, so that one becomes eligible for the eternal blessings and joys of the life of the hereafter. 463 Al-Mustawrad ibn Shaddad who reported, The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, This world, meaning its pleasures and duration, in comparison with the hereafter, is similar to the amount of water one gets when he puts his finger in the sea. Let him then see what it returns with. Collected by Muslim. Commentary. This hadith shows the value of the hereafter and its blessings compared to the worldly life. The proportion between the two is that the former is like an ocean while the latter is like the proportion of water left on one's finger when dipped in the sea. 464 Jabir ibn Abdullah reported, Allah's Messenger وسلم, was passing through the bazaar with his companions on both his sides when he saw a dead lamb with small ears. He held its ear and said, who of you would like to have it for a dirham? They replied, We do not like to get it for anything. And what shall we do with it? Then he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, asked, Would you like to have it for nothing? They replied, Had it been alive, it would have been defective because it has small ears. But when dead, it is of no use. Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, Truly, the world is more contemptible to Allah than this dead lamb is to you. Collected by Muslim. Commentary. This hadith also shows the futility of this world for which one struggles so madly throughout his life. It is also an indication that the Prophet used to seize the right opportunities to guide and teach his followers. 465 Abu Dhar anhu reported, I was walking with the Prophet on the stony ground in Al-Medina in the afternoon when Mount Uhud came into sight. The Messenger of Allah said, O Abu Dhar, I said, O Messenger of Allah, here I am responding to you. He وسلم, said, If I had as much gold as the weight of Uhud, it would not please me to have a single dinar out of it with me after the passage of three days. But I would hold back something for the repayment of a debt. 
I would distribute it among the slaves of Allah like this and like this and like this. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, pointed in front of him and on his right side and on his left side. We then walked a little further and he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, the rich would be poor on the day of resurrection except he who spent like this and like this and like this. And he pointed as he did the first time. But such persons are few. Then he وسلم, said, Stay where you are till I come back to you. He, meaning the Prophet وسلم, walked ahead a little further in the darkness of the night and disappeared from my sight. I heard a loud voice. I said to myself, The Messenger of Allah might have met some mishap or enemy. I wished I could go after him. But I remembered his commanding me to stay till he came back. So I waited for him. And when he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, came, I made mention of what I had heard. He, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, asked, Did you hear it? I said, Yes. Then he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, It was Jibreel who came to me and said, He who dies among your ummah without having associated anything with Allah in worship, will enter Jannah. I said, even if he committed illicit sexual intercourse or steals, he, meaning Jibreel, said, even if he has committed illicit sexual intercourse or steals. Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary. The last portion of this hadith means that a Muslim having firm faith in the oneness of Allah, will go to Jannah even if he has committed major sins in his life. If Allah wills, he will be sent straight to Jannah or he will be sent there after suffering punishment in hell for some time. Some scholars have associated this hadith with such persons who make repentance at the time when they are close to death and then they do not get time to do good or bad deeds. Almighty Allah will pardon even their major sins without giving them any punishment. This hadith also tells us that it is permissible, rather essential, to reserve some money for the payment of loans because its repayment is far more important than giving voluntary alms. It also mentions the piety of the Prophet وسلم, and his passion for spending in the way of Allah. 466. Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu reported, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, if I had gold equal to Mount Uhud in weight, it would not please me to pass three nights and I have a thing of it left with me, except what I retain for repayment of a debt. Collected by Al-Bukhari, and Muslim. Commentary. The words of the Prophet ﷺ speak eloquently for his matchless piety and prove that he did not like to keep worldly goods with him. This hadith also shows that expression of a pious desire is permissible. 467. Abu Huraira reported. Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, Look at those who are inferior to you, and do not look at those who are superior to you, for this will keep you from belittling Allah's favor to you. Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. The narration in Al-Bukhari is, Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, when one of you looks at someone who is superior to him in property and appearance, he should look at someone who is inferior to him. Commentary By looking at the worldly goods and riches of others, a person gradually becomes unthankful for the blessings which Allah has bestowed upon him. The best remedy for this disease is that which has been prescribed by Allah's Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in this hadith, the remedy is that one should look at the people who have lesser worldly goods 
and riches than one's own. If a person has a small house of his own, which can protect him from the harshness of weather, then he has no need to see enviously towards sky-high buildings and palatial houses of others. He should look at the homeless people who spend their nights on footpaths and live in huts which in rain leak like sieve and are swept away by a wave of flood of water. But from a religious angle, one should see towards those who are more fearful of Allah and observe their salah meticulously so that one becomes more fond of obedience of Allah, has a greater fear of Him, and devotes more time to prayer and devotion. This dispensation is also given in other ahadith. 468 Abu Huraira anhu reported, The Prophet said, May he be miserable, the worshipper of dinar and dirham, and the worshipper of the striped silk cloak. If he is given anything, he is satisfied. But if not, he is unsatisfied. Collected by Al-Bukhari. Commentary. The worshipper of dinar and dirham and silk cloaks here means a person who prefers these things to divine injunctions and commands and strives day and night to amass worldly goods. Instead of worshiping Allah, he worships such things and is thus guilty of worship of others besides Allah, a condition which causes his ruin. 469 Abu Huraira reported, I saw 70 of the people of the Sufa and none of them had a cloak. They had either a lower garment or a blanket which they suspended from their necks. Some cloaks reached halfway down to the legs and some to the ankles, and the man would manage to keep it in his hand to avoid exposing his private parts. Collected by Al-Bukhari. Commentary. The term people of the Sufa mentioned in the Hadith refers to those companions of the Prophet وسلم, who were poor. They used to resort to the Sufa, a shady place at the back of the Prophet's mosque in Al-Madin. 470 Abu Huraira reported, The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, The world is the believer's prison and the infidel's jannah. Collected by Muslim. Commentary. As compared with the pleasures and luxuries which are in store for a true believer in Jannah in the hereafter, this world is a prison. And against the ceaseless torture that awaits the kuffar, the disbelievers in hell, this world is a Jannah for them. It can also mean that the way a Muslim saves himself in life from lusts and desires and leads a pious life with fear of Allah. This world is a prison for him because he is fettered in the chains of rules and regulations, while a kafir, meaning a disbeliever, is free from all kinds of restrictions and is completely given to lusts and desires. And this is how the world is a jannah for him. The purpose of this hadith is to induce Muslims for the preparation for al-akhirah, meaning the hereafter, and preventing them from unlawful luxuries of this world. 471 Abdullah ibn Umar reported The Messenger of Allah وسلم, took hold of my shoulders and said Be in the world like a stranger or a wayfarer Ibn Umar used to say When you survive till the evening do not expect to live until the morning and when you survive until the morning do not expect to live until the evening. Do good deeds when you are in good health before you fall sick. And do good deeds as long as you are alive before death strikes. Collected by Al-Bukhari. Commentary. A person who will consider this world as a temporary stage will certainly not like that his clothes be entangled in thorny bushes of this world. 
The greatest fault of man is that he does not understand this status of the world. In spite of the fact that he is not sure of a moment's life here, he occupies himself in amassing goods and riches which would last for a hundred years. 472. Sahel ibn Sa'id al-Sa'idi radiyallahu anhu reported, A man came to the Prophet wasallam and said, O Messenger of Allah, guide me to such an action which if I do, Allah will love me and the people will also love me. He wasallam said, Have no desire for this world, Allah will love you. And have no desire for what people possess, and the people will love you. Collected by Ibn Majah. Commentary. Zuhud, meaning asceticism, does not mean renunciation of the world and the obligations of life. What it really means is that one should be contented with what one possesses and rid himself of greed. Islam neither permits renunciation of the world nor does it condemn genuine struggle to acquire wealth and riches. Therefore, involvement in worldly affairs and struggle for lawful means of livelihood are not against zuhud. A person who is contented with the lawful means of income is a distinguished person as all his activities are exalted to the level of worship. Similarly, unconcern with the wealth and riches of others and ignoring them is part of zuhud and contentment. One additional advantage of it is that such a person wins the love and respect of the people because he who begs people rather than Allah has to suffer disgrace and is disliked by the people. The case of begging from Allah is just the opposite. The more a person begs him, the more pleased he will be with him. In fact, he is displeased if someone does not beg him. This has been exquisitely stated in an Arabic verse, the meaning of which is, Do not stretch your hands before anyone for your needs, but beg from him, meaning Allah, whose door is always open. If a person does not beg him, meaning Allah, he is displeased. While if one begs someone else, he becomes furious. 473 And Nu'man ibn Bashir and Huma reported, Umar ibn al-Khattab spoke at length regarding the worldly prosperity that people had achieved and said, I saw that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, would pass his days in hunger and could not even get degraded dates to fill his stomach. Collected by Muslim. Commentary During the reign of Umar radiallahu anhu, when people became more prosperous on account of frequent victories, he asked them to remember the early period of Islam in which they were poor and faced very difficult circumstances, to the extent that even the Prophet وسلم, was placed in the situation mentioned in this hadith. The purpose of mentioning it was to warn the people against the evils of abundance of wealth and luxuries. They were exhorted to beware of the love of the world which could make them forget about al-akhirah, meaning the afterlife. 474 Aisha anha, reported, The Messenger of Allah وسلم, died when my house was void of any edible thing except for a small quantity of barley I had on a shelf and from which I kept eating it for a long time. Then, when I measured what was left of it, it soon finished. Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary During the last days of the Prophet wasallam, the financial position of the Muslims had largely improved due to the spoils of war and he could have lived a comfortable life if he liked. But he stuck to the same austere life which he had led earlier. In this hadith, Aisha radiallahu anha has related an account of the extremely austere and pious life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, although her house was the house of his most beloved wife. This hadith also tells us 
that in spite of his profound love for Aisha radiallahu anha, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam did not accord her any preferential treatment. He treated all his wives equally. Thus, this hadith has a lesson for ulama and their families that they should not look towards worldly riches and the amenities enjoyed by them, but keep in view the life of the Prophet ﷺ and his wives and learn to keep themselves contented with minimum income. 475 Amr ibn al-Harith the brother of Juwayriya, the mother of the believers, reported, when the Messenger of Allah died, he left neither a dinar, nor a dirham, nor a male slave, nor a female slave, nor anything else except his white riding mule, his weapons, and his land which he had given in charity to wayfarers. Collected by Al-Bukhari. Commentary The Battle of Banu al-Mustalaq took place in the year of five after Hijrah. Men and women who were made captives in it included Juwayriya, and she came to the share of the Prophet ﷺ. She embraced Islam, and the Prophet ﷺ married her. When the companions of the Prophet ﷺ learnt about it, they released all the prisoners of Banu Mustalaq, who were about 100 in consideration of their being in-laws of the noble Prophet. Weapons here means lances and swords, while land signifies that portion of land which the Prophet had got as his share from Fadak and Khaybar and Al Qura Valley and so on. He gave it in Sadaqah, saying that he was from the class of Prophets of Allah who have no descendants. Whatever is left by them is Sadaqah, meaning charity. At the time of his death, the Prophet ﷺ did not have any male or female slave whom he had not set free. 476 Al-Khabbab ibn al-Arat who reported, We emigrated with the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, seeking the pleasure of Allah and expecting our reward from Him. Some of us died without enjoying anything of it. Among them was Musa'ab ibn Umayr radiyallahu anhu, who was killed in the battle of Uhud, leaving only a small colored sheet of wool which we used as his shroud. When we covered his head with it, his feet were exposed. And when we covered his feet with it, his head was uncovered. So the Prophet ﷺ told us to cover his head and to put some fragrant grass over his feet. Others among us enjoy prosperity. Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary This hadith tells us about the distinction of hijrah, meaning emigration, and jihad, and their reward. In this world, the reward is given to those mujahidun of Islam who gain victory and will also be given to them in al-akhirah, meaning the hereafter. As for those mujahidun, who get martyred on the battlefield, they will get all their rewards on the day of resurrection. 477 Sahal ibn Sa'ad anhu reported, The Messenger of Allah said, Were this world worth a wing of a mosquito, he would not have given a drink of water to an infidel. Collected by At-Tirmidhi Commentary this hadith makes it clear that the world and its wealth and riches has no significance to Allah. Thus, it should not have much significance to the believers. It should be considered a means to reform oneself for the afterlife or a place of trial. 478 Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu reported, Allah's Messenger said, The world is accursed, and what it contains is accursed, except the remembrance of Allah and those who associate themselves with Allah, and a learned man and a learning person. 
collected by a Tirmidhi. Commentary Number one, this hadith does not mean that this world is totally condemned. What it really means is that such things of this world are cursed, which take a person away from Allah and make him careless about his obedience. Thus, anything of this world can be good and evil. For instance, worldly goods are auspicious if one acquires them through lawful means and spends them in a permissible manner. Otherwise, they're condemnable. Similar is the case of other things of this world. Number two, that knowledge is good, which brings one closer to Allah and is a source of benefit for mankind. Otherwise, it is also condemnable. Number three, this hadith also brings into prominence the distinction of men of learning, especially scholars of religious disciplines. 479. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu reported, The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Do not crave for property lest you should be absorbed in the desire of worldly life. Collected by At-Tirmidhi. Commentary. The word bay'ah, translated here as property, means land, industry, agriculture, or business. One should not be so engrossed in them to the extent that they become the sole purpose of one's life, and all one's efforts are exhausted to acquire them, thus forgetting all about the hereafter. To the extent of one's genuine needs and self-sufficiency, making and maintaining of property, land, industry, agriculture, and commerce come in permissible acts. None of them is forbidden provided the means employed for making and maintaining them are fair and do not distract one's attention from Allah and the hereafter. 480 Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As radiyallahu anhumah reported, We were repairing our thatchy hut when the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam passed by and asked us, What are you doing? We said, The thatch had gone weak and we are repairing it. He وسلم, said, I see the sure thing, meaning death, approaching sooner than this, collected by Abu Dawood. Commentary. The word khus means a hut or a house which is made of wood and reed or bamboo and plastered with mud. The hadith reminds us to be mindful of death at all times and be certain that there is nothing nearer to us than it. It also tells us that we should not engage in those worldly things which are bound to make us forget about our appointed time in this world. 481. Ka'ab ibn Iyad reported, The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, Verily, there is a fitna, meaning a trial, for every nation, and the trial for my nation is wealth, collected by At-Tirmidhi. Commentary The word fitna means trial. Anything with which a person is tried is a fitna for him. For this reason, children and property have been regarded as a fitna for mankind in the Noble Qur'an. This hadith strongly urges the Muslim Ummah to exercise moderation in their love for worldly goods and riches, Otherwise, all these things, which are gifts of Allah, can become a source of woeful torture for them. 482 Uthman ibn Affan who reported, The Prophet said, There is no right for the son of Adam except in these four things. A house to live in, a cloth to cover therewith his private parts, bread and water, collected by At-Tirmidhi. 483 Abdullah ibn ash anhu reported, I came to the Prophet وسلم, while he was reciting Surah At-Takathur. The mutual rivalry for piling up of worldly things diverts you. 
Until you visit the graves. Nay, you shall come to know. Again, nay, you shall come to know. Nay, if you knew with a sure knowledge the end result of piling up. Verily, you shall see the blazing fire. And again, you shall see it with certainty of sight. Then on that day, you shall be asked about the delights you indulged in in this world. After reciting, he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, said, The son of Adam says, My wealth, my wealth, do you own of your wealth other than that which you eat and consume? And what you wear and wear out? Or what you give in sadaqah to those who deserve it? And that what you will have in stock for yourself? Collected by Muslim. Commentary. This hadith enjoins that if a person is given wealth, he should spend it in the ways liked by Allah because it is this sadaqah which will be a valuable treasure in the afterlife. Whatever else he consumes in this world will finish or rot in this world and will be of no avail in the hereafter. 484 Abdullah ibn who reported, A man came to the Prophet and said, O Messenger of Allah, by Allah, I love you. He said, Think about what you are saying. The man repeated three times, I swear by Allah that I love you. He, meaning the Prophet said, If you love me, you should be ready for acute poverty because poverty comes to those who love me faster than a flood flowing towards its destination. Collected by Etirmidhi. 485 Ka'ab ibn Malik who reported The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said Two hungry wolves sent in the midst of a flock of sheep are no more destructive to them than a man's greed for wealth and fame is to his deen. Collected by Etirmidhi Commentary the havoc played by wealth, rank, and position, which have been mentioned in this hadith, can be seen everywhere today. Even some ulama and self-proclaimed pious men have a craze for these things and they have not been able to save themselves from the ruin caused by it. May Allah save us from these evils. Greed for wealth and fame are doubtless detrimental to religion as preference of the life of the world over-religion is explicit in such a trivial pursuit. 486 Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu reported, The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam slept on a straw mat and got up with the marks left by it on his body. Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu said, O Messenger of Allah, would that you make us spread out a soft bedding for you. He sallallahu alayhi wasallam replied, What have I to do with the world? I am like a rider who had sat under a tree for its shade, then went away and left it. Collected by Etirmidhi. Commentary. Besides mentioning the piety of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, this hadith tells in a very eloquent manner the reality of this world by means of an example. 487 Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu reported, 
The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, the poor will enter Jannah 500 years before the rich. Collected by it tirmidhi Commentary. Al-Fuqara, meaning the poor, means those fuqara who are perfect in faith. Such people will go to Jannah 500 years before the rich because the latter will have to account for their wealth from which they had got it and how they had spent it while the former will not be answerable for any such thing. 488 Ibn Abbas and Imran ibn al-Husayn reported the Prophet said, I looked into Jannah and saw that most of its dwellers are the poor. And I looked into hell and saw that most of its inmates were women. Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary The Prophet had observed Jannah and hell either on the eve of Miraj, meaning ascension to heaven, or of Salat al-Qusuf, meaning the eclipse prayer, in which he وسلم, was shown Jannah and hell. A large majority of fuqara will go to Jannah. The rich people do not attach much importance to the requirements of faith and its practice. The reason women are the majority in hell is because they are given to taunts and curses and are ungrateful to their husbands. The hadith urges women to try to overcome these serious defects in order to be saved from the hellfire. 489 Usama ibn Zayd reported, The Prophet said, I stood at the gate of Jannah and saw that most of those who enter it were poor, whereas the rich were held back. But those who were destined to go to hell were ordered to be sent there immediately. Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. 490 Abu Huraira reported, The Prophet said, The most truthful statement a poet has ever made is the saying of Labid, Everything besides Allah is vain. Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary We learn from this hadith that to compose, recite, and quote good verses as evidence is permissible.